Welcome back. This is the midweek minute edition of the Man Cave Caucus podcast. We're deep in the bowels of the Capitol building <laughs> in Jefferson City in my office. Actually, it's not the, the, it's, the deep it's, bowels. It's, it's the opposite. It's the, Just bringing you some facts floor. and some <laughs> entertainment. Uh, the gears are moving, and uh, legislature is off to uh, quite a start getting some stuff going on. But it's always good to pause for a bit and just kind of hang out, chill, and uh, talk about what's going on here. So I have with me Representative Bishop Davidson joining me in the office studio this week. He represents a district not too far from me, actually, uh, up the road. Southwest Mo. Yeah. And who I I happen to be uh, his mentor his first few years. I forgot about that. (laughs) You are my mentor. (laughs) Formally. <laughs> um, That's right. So I, I don't know what happened. I think he must have realized that there wasn't much value there. <laughs> I completely... You just reminded me right here on this podcast. Live. I feel bad now. Yeah, live. <laughs> so welcome, Bishop. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what area you represent and anything else. Yeah, so I represent... Um, Western Springfield and Republic. I live in Republic over in Greene County. At first, I represented Western Greene County, and they took away all my cows tragically. Oh. I represent very few cattle. That's and at some that point, is tragic. Yeah, isn't it? It's very sad. So you can't wear the hat I, and I had, like, Walnut Grove and Ash it. Grove and Bodark and all sorts of folks who Wait. lived out in the country. So how do you pronounce that? Bodark? Yeah. Yeah, that's how you pronounce it. Bodark? Boudou, I, I, I think have heard many versions. Version. It's Bodark, though. Okay, I know, but I have heard many versions. Well, now you've heard it. The man who once represented that town. <laughs> the actual correct The correct pronunciation. pronunciation. So, uh, yeah, but I, I've been in the legislature now. This is my fourth session, uh, second term, hopefully going into uh, a re-election next November. Should uh, the fine folk of, uh, of Republic and Western Springfield decide to send me back up but uh it's been a it's been a weird year weird start to the year can't believe it's already february the weather's nice at least it is today for sure yeah uh it has been much worse at times so i'm thankful yeah um so tell me a little bit like what what are you working on what are you working on this week or anything this, yeah this session yeah i mean generally the the session was looking precarious i think for so many of us at the start and uh and i was among them and really saw this as an opportunity to one tee up legislation for future years mm-hmm. and so that really means digging into the weeds on policy um, I've got an education bill that I'm still working through the drafting on. I'm running by different lawmakers. I'm taking my time to introduce. And as the chair of education reform, I should have an opportunity to hear it in committee. But my goal this year isn't to see that become law. I think that might even be too hasty. Even if you said, Bishop, you can press a button now and it becomes law. Mm-hmm. I want to really make sure to vet it and talk with folks and then put it in committee and put it through another vetting process. And so that's a project I'm working on. I've got some tax bills that I'd introduced last year that uh, got rid of the income tax uh, over time and found some challenges with that uh, for a variety of reasons. One was constitutional. And so this year we've got a pair of legislation. One is an HJR or House Joint Resolution 
that would go to the voters to change the Constitution that would allow for what we're trying to accomplish when it comes to income tax reduction mm-hmm. and uh, and spending limits on on what any future General Assembly can spend. So I like it. Hopefully that comes before you at some point in time. Again, that's contingent upon filing and getting referred. But I feel like I, I know the chairman well enough that we could probably get it. Yeah. So. so as the chair of tax <laughs> reform, I, I'd be yeah curious to look at that. Uh, so you haven't filed it yet? No, I haven't filed it yet because we ran into so many little tiny detailed problems. And yeah. uh, I, I love that kind of work, though. Yeah. I, I, I wish I would have maybe moved on it a little quicker. But um, but we're certainly not too late. I had bills that have moved. I have one bill that I think is headed to the calendar this week. Um it got through rules this week on Monday, and that would okay. exempt firearms and ammunition from sales tax. Yeah. So, and I'm not usually a sales tax exemption kind of guy, but it dawned on me over interim. I was just sitting there, and I was like, you know what? Infringement is any sort of limitation on. That's one of the definitions. And taxation is a limitation. Yep. Taxation is infringement. So it's not really about choosing some commodity that I like or that I think people should have or this, that, or the other, and let's just exempt it from sales tax. It is constitutionally, I don't think we have the authority to be taxing firearms and ammo. Mm-hmm. And so... It's uh, an essential. And so uh, so that bill is moving. Uh, so that's become a little bit of a priority. And then other than that, you know, it's just paying attention to this this legislative cycle. It's paying attention to legislation that is moving. Yeah. Can't tell you I'm... I'm I'm not that excited about what I see um, on the House side. You know, last week, I think it was, or maybe two weeks ago, we passed open enrollment. And it's a bill that I'm, I'm happy to have voted for, but it's such a, it's such a watered-down bill in the world of education reform. Yeah. And on both sides of education reform, not just the choice side of the discussion, but also the side which says um, we really need to enable teachers to be the best that they can be. We really need to localize decision-making in districts where where parents are closest to the education of their children. And uh, and it, it gives some autonomy to parents. It's a step in the right direction, but um, it, it just doesn't give me ecstatic like yeah. uh, like some other pieces. And then we've also got just some flat-out bad bills. Yeah, always. Know? And so we've got some bills I think will probably be third reading uh, tomorrow or Monday that I'm going to be a no on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know what all the bills are. I think we maybe are thinking of the same bill, and that's that uh, the, the child care uh, the child care tax credit bill. Yeah. And I think folks back home, listeners back home, they might go, oh, wait, what, what's the issue? You know, right. it, on its face, uh, my folks super conservative. My mom would go, oh, what's the, what's the issue, I think, on its face? But once you start to look into it, um, not only is it mechanically – uh, as you read the bill, it's just not very good in terms of like, well, how is it executed? How is it administered? There's these three tax credits and yada, yada. It's a, it's a huge fiscal note of $60 million. And, uh, and yes, I said huge mm-hmm. because I feel like people are saying $60 million isn't big anymore. Right. Don't you feel that way? Yeah. Is it, isn't it like, oh, $60 million? When you start million? looking at a $58 billion budget. Yeah, sixty million seems small. I tell you what, but it's still taxpayer dollars. It's still taxpayer dollars, and I don't care if we're spending a hundred billion. Which, by the way, I have no intent of ever letting this state spend a hundred billion dollars. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> with inflation the way it is, though, who knows? Maybe, maybe we're all millionaires in about five years because because of inflation and our budgets a hundred billion. Because It'd be a lot easier to say one million, <laughs> one million dollars. <laughs> but um, it's not just the the 
you know, it's not just the, the cost. It's not just the mechanics of the legislation. It is the philosophy behind the legislation. Um, and that's where I have a big consternation with that bill as well. I feel like it's this, there's a, there's a huge move toward um, kids being in government schools younger and younger, yeah. this cradle to the grave idea of education. Yeah. And really parents obfuscating their responsibilities to the government. And I, I really uh, push back on that and I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, they're not doing well with our kids who are 10. Why in the world would they do right. well with our kids who are, who are three? Uh, and and it, it's it's more than that, though, too, right? A lot of this is driven by this sort of big corporate agenda yeah. to get more quote-unquote workforce. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get down to it, the workforce problem is not an education problem. It's not a we-don't-have-enough-spouses-working uh, problem. Right. It's not a child care problem. The workforce problem is a fertility problem. Yeah. We don't have enough human beings. Yeah. What's the rate now? 1.69. Mm-hmm. That's not sustainable. Yeah. So so for, for those listening, fertility rate, what that means is how many children are born per woman. And uh, you need two. So wait, women. only women can have babies now? <laughs> I know. Very controversial Sorry, stuff. Diff- different I didn't mean to get so, uh, <laughs> so spicy so quick on your podcast here. <laughs> so controversial. <laughs> but, uh, but. You need 2.1 fertility rate to, just to replace, yeah. just to maintain. And that's because you need one for the woman, one for the man whom she procreated with, and then that 0.1 is for unnatural causes of death, you know, car accidents, heart disease, mm-hmm. infant mortality, whatever the case may be, that 0.1 sort of adjusts for that. And we're at 1.69. Yeah. Now, Immigration has sort of buttressed our numbers uh, economically, but you want to you want to talk workforce problems. That's yeah. where your workforce problem comes from. When your average home goes from three kids to to one point six nine kids, and so uh, I, I I think we don't think about the big issues. Unfortunately, I think you're right. I think a lot of times with legislation, people don't um, dig down to really the the bare bones of. You know, not only what this uh, what this legislation might be and what it might accomplish, but also the unintended consequences in the future. Um, and, yeah. and a lot of times, those are those are very concerning uh, mm-hmm. things when you get down to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and here here's, I don't know. Am I allowed to get to like my weird my weird uh, my weird beliefs? This is stages. a weird podcast, yeah, my, my man. Phase. So I mean, <laughs> here here's the thing. I think if you've got two parents, right? Uh, mom and a dad, which everyone has two parents, and I, you know, hopefully they have two parents living at home. I know that's not the case for so many. Um, I hope they have two parents that are together. But let's just assume we've got two parents who are together. Normally in human history, uh, the way that has been structured is one of those parents is responsible for providing food and so on. The other parent is provided is responsible for providing sort of the emotional stability of the home, tending to the home, taking after yeah. the home, looking after the home, looking after the children. Because it literally takes, there's a reason it, there's two, it takes two of us to have children. Mm-hmm. Because it takes two people to, to take care to of a To raise child. a child. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it's very hard work. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners are parents and they know that. And so uh, normally uh, it has taken two people and it's usually taken one of those two people to, to kind of hang out at home and really make sure that they're building a home which is safe and a learning environment and all these other things, right? And and when you have a model that follows that, uh, a home-based parent model, 
And I don't care if it's dad or mom. Let me just say that. Like, it really can be anyone, but a home-based parent model in which one parent stays in the home, mm-hmm. stays with the home. And maybe they generate an income while they're home too, right? It's, but, but they're home-based. Well, when you look at a home-based parenting model, each child costs a little less, actually significantly less. It's what's called a decreasing marginal cost. And so it gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Second child's cheaper than first child. Third cheaper, third child's significantly cheaper than second child. Right. By the time you're getting to child four, it's a lot cheaper. Why? Because you've already bought the crib. You've already got the house that, yep. that's able to manage that. You've got clothes that hand me down, right? You've got yep. all these things, and you've got the experience to avoid expensive costs that you didn't avoid that first time. That is a diminishing marginal cost, and it makes children operate in that way, which is it means there's an incentive to have children. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get really biological and evolutionary about it, right, that incentive to have children is maximized even more so because each child you have is a economic safety net for you in the future. Yeah. Right. My mom and dad are one of nine or, or I'm one of nine kids. My mom and dad have nine children. Guess what? They're going to be taken care of. I'm not I'm not confident exactly who it is. I think it'll probably be me and my brothers and my sisters will all kind of come together. So that's like six or seven times the yeah. average right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're gonna be I was from they're gonna be seven. I was the of. oldest of seven. Oh so yeah, there you go. We're we're trying to make up the difference yeah. here, people. <laughs> we need your help. If you're listening to this, <laughs> go have two point one yeah. or more children. <laughs> and in my house I have four, so at least I'm there quite you go. a bit there at you least go. twice the average. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm all talk but no game. I have no wife, yeah, no we've, children. We've I am 28, so I, I, I don't want yeah. folks to be like, oh, he's got like a 40-year-old, 50-year-old <laughs> lawmaker who's Are you saying 40-year-olds are old? I'm saying 40-year-olds okay. who maybe don't have uh, significant others <laughs> right. or children. There's usually something, you know? <laughs> there's always a question. There's just a little, you know, I, there's a little question mark around me, you know? I, I'm about to be 29. And well, I'm always giving about. you terrible advice, so maybe <laughs> we'll see how that works out. So... But uh, when you have two parents working, that deep that 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 you know diminishing marginal cost actually is more of a linear cost. Two children is twice as much as one child. Mm-hmm. Three children is three times as much. It doesn't get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. It's more or less just multiplying it, and that's because of childcare costs, mm-hmm. right? Well. I think two parents working in the home actually disincentivizes fertility. And this is coming from a guy who's one of nine kids and has two parents who work, for the record, right? right? We're talking broad, broad 30,000-foot view. We're not getting in the weeds here. We're not talking about specifics and particular people. Obviously, there are exceptions to this rule. And so you might think, well, then that child care tax credit's a great idea, right? We've got to curtail those costs and yada, yada, yada. All that tax credit does is incentivize and disincentivize more home-based parenting. Mm-hmm. Yes. It drives parents and families more and more into situations where they have to decide both of us need to be working, both of us need to be working. And we've already had a culture that says, oh, yeah, everyone has to And there's to work. a mechanism that And now there's a mechanism to try and take that. care of your children and subsidize that, that cost. And you might say, well, is, it, is that a bad thing? I would say yes overall because it feeds into the same problem that it purportedly fixes. Yep. It creates the workforce problem because it drives parents out of the home, Mm -hmm. into the workforce, having less children, and the less children being born creates the workforce problem you're trying to fix. So where does it come from, Bishop? Mm -hmm. Well, you know who likes this. Yeah. In 
in uh, government, the statesman thinks in terms of decades and centuries. Yep. I, I think it's one of the distinguishing factors of a person who's a politician right. or a statesman. Not the that, here and now, but... The, their ability to think long-term and how this impacts people down the line. The corporation thinks in terms of financial quarters yes, and CEO tenures, right? You're talking eight years, mm-hmm. ten years. So that CEO can't wait for you to have a child, raise it, and that child go into the workforce in 25 years. What are you talking about? That's way too long. I need your mom to work instead mm-hmm. of having you. Yeah. <laughs> right? I need your dad to Which work. Which is extremely instead selfish of, instead and of, self-serving. Instead of, uh, instead of raising you, I need your dad to work. And so uh, it, it, the corporations aren't interested in fertility. No. Because they don't have that sort of long-term vision. The corporations are interested in everyone working all the time. And what better way than to use taxpayer dollars to subsidize the whole thing, get people sucked into a system where they're dependent on the situation, and they can't look back anyways. Yeah. So, <laughs> But the problem is they're creating more problems for themselves oh, down the road. Absolutely. Well, not for themselves. Maybe right. for their corporation. For the company. Maybe for the but, company. But na- maybe but not, not personally. Not, not for them personally, right? Yep. Their quarter is going to look good. Yep. Right? Their 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 golden parachute secure, and this is a great uh, insight into the real deep thoughts that it takes. I think to legislate in in a in a responsible way for our citizens, and sometimes it may not be the popular way because people only see that surface part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and thinking that how how could this not be a good thing? Yeah. Uh, but again, thinking long term, thinking in the you know the underlying principle of this and what it will produce down the road. Uh, I think is important. Apparently, we have a giant flock of birds that have nestled just know, outside the window. I know. It's, it's but, lovely. Uh, you're hearing it? it's that. Lovely. It's a wonderful little, spring day. Birds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm getting all deep dive. Uh, I, no, I, hope, I like it. Uh, I hope that's interesting to to your listeners. So. That's why I always enjoy our conversations. So, this week uh, has been an interesting one. Um, yesterday, you remember the Israeli consul yeah. general, um, yeah. Mayor Elbaz. Starinsky was invited to address the General Assembly yesterday. Uh, Missouri is a strong supporter of Israel, and I am as well. I actually have worked on legislation um, with the anti-BDS bill several years ago, getting that done, prohibiting state contracts to anyone that subscribes to the BDS movement. And for anybody out there who doesn't know what that is, that's the Boycott, Divestment, and Sanction um, organizations that specifically target Israel. It's very anti-Semitic, um, and so we were able to get that done a few years ago. But it was good to have him here and speaking. And you know, with the the, the recent rise in anti-Semitic rhetoric and activity, it was I think fitting for us to uh, to show our support to Israel. Have him speak to the General Assembly. But tell us a little bit about what happened during that address. Yeah, so we had the address, all of the pomp and circumstance, and we were told there might be some protests. And honestly, I didn't see them up in the gallery until uh, they started chanting. I think they kind of snuck in on us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're cussing at us, and I can't even remember what they're saying exactly. Yeah. And we had some Genocide members, was a part yeah, of their turn, turn chant up and, and turn back and kind of stare them down. And one member ran up there. I heard his quads were burning the next day because he <laughs> ran up the stairs so fast. Yeah, that would have been to get to the a, gallery. It's and a lot of steps, and uh, and ch- and kind of get him out. I think there were a few folks. I think five of them got arrested. Actually, yeah, is what I had heard. 
they honestly, were refusing to leave once they had uh, honestly, disrupted yeah, yeah, the proceedings. Yeah, disrupted the proceedings and been told to leave. But honestly, uh, I don't think they disrupted that much. It seemed to, you know, it didn't yeah. really phase us. We just moved on. You know, it took about four minutes or something like that. Well, here's my thoughts about protests. I think they're very ineffective um, when it comes to actually affecting policy. You know, there may be other effects socially and all of that could, that can be a part of that, and, and a lot of them negative, to be honest. I mean, we've seen uh, what some protests can do and have the potential to do over the past few years. But when it comes to Jefferson City, it seems like to me everybody wants to hold a rally and everybody wants to have a protest and all of that. And I think it has very little value as to actually yeah. influencing lawmakers yeah. one way or the other. In the building, I think that's more the case just because, you know, it's a place of deliberation where we talk about ideas and and you make your case not with group action, not with um, physical presence, right? Not with arm in arm yeah. linked. Preferably even without emotion. Yeah, you, you do it through uh, rational discussion. And so, I mean, protest obviously has a place, and I, I have to stand by it because I just think it, it, it's a right. it, it can be important. It's, in, it's a right for a reason, um, and it does raise a certain awareness. It can, you know, there can be, do, you know, I, I, think about, uh, I think about the protests in Boston, you know, mm-hmm. all those years ago. So, uh, you know, it's fine to protest, and, uh, but we do have rules in the chamber. Yeah. We have to be able to deliberate. Well, any protest should be peaceful. It should be peaceful, and and it's not... A protest should be facing off with something uh, similar in nature, right? Right. That's why protests are usually outside, because protests are, are real shows of... I don't want to say force, but they're shows of strength, strength mm-hmm. in numbers, strength in chanting, mm-hmm. you know, emotion, passion... Because passion has a place. I don't. I don't want to say it doesn't. Right. And it's a show of that passion, but in a deliberative body, passion is not the thing. It's a. It's rationality. It's thoughtfulness. And so it. It was just weird. It's weird to have yeah. it there, right? It's a. A show of passion, in a hall of deliberation is weird. A show of passion in a space where where passion is being showed on the opposite side when you have competing protests, maybe outside of a capital mm-hmm. or, or in the streets of, of a city. Like those circumstances can make sense to me. Yeah. Now, I, it's not my style personally. It would take a whole lot for me to get animated there. I'm more of a, if I'm real upset, I'm going to run for office. And I'm going to go be a part of that deliberative body, right? And make those and engage decisions. it at that level. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing. Even with yesterday, like you know, the protests were in the chamber; they were outside the building. Well, then later on that evening, there happened to be a, an, a reception that was a pro-Israel group. That mm-hmm. I don't know if you attended that or not. The APAC reception, I did. Yeah, and, I did. And so the protests moved to uh, that location, blocking people from entrance you know having entrance to which the is building. illegal that is illegal. right yeah i mean it, Bro- blocking the street too yeah by yeah. the way and then even further you know they didn't when i was walking through there was no physical contact but there were some members um and even our secretary of state i think that had an altercation with someone who actually physically like punch uh, like punched him yeah. or grabbed at him exactly and i i don't know if he responded i know that guy's in jail right now yes. in the cole county was jail arrested. and and i'm not sure if uh cuz jay ashcroft our secretary of state governor candidate right gubernatorial right. candidate I don't know how he responded. I wasn't there. I didn't get to see that part. There's a pretty cool picture of him, sort of grim. You, he, you could tell he's <laughs> right. pretty angry. He's pretty ticked off, being uh, being sort of 
assaulted yeah. by this um you know pro-Palestinian yeah. anti-semitic well i know when i was walking through like the the guy was right in my face yelling and i mean close enough where he was literally like spitting on my face yeah and of course i was armed if if it ever came to that hopefully it you know won't and it didn't at that point but I just ignored it, but you know when someone starts um, actually physically, yeah, uh, you know to some degree assaulting someone, that's a whole different. I, I think I think the officers grabbed him pretty quickly. I think Jay started to respond. I don't know. Like I said, it's a pretty pretty cool picture I saw yeah. online. I was like, I okay, well. he looks like a, a bad hombre in the picture. But I uh, yeah, I think that was ridiculous. I I went to the police um, and I said, hey, you know that's illegal, right? Right. Like they're literally not allowed to block that entrance. And they were banging on that door. I was talking to the property owner, the guy who owned right. the, the private property. Company, and he's like, he's like, oh my gosh, he, he was freaking out. He's like, I think they're breaking the door on the It hinges. sounded like it. And they were beating drums too. So I couldn't tell the difference between yeah. like if they were beating the drum he, or he beating was on super, the door. He was super concerned. So uh, yeah, that, I mean, that was, uh, that was a protest with illegal activity as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I know there were several arrests, but honestly, there should have been more done in my opinion. Right. Um, it would not have been hard to say, hey, we're not going to block any of these entrances. Yeah. Right? We're not going to block this sidewalk. We're not going to block this road. If you want to go alongside the sidewalk, alongside the entrance. Well, we it's a good example of like these protests that shut stuff down that you, sometimes people don't think about what that could potentially cause as a result of that people having to. So people were climbing over fences. Yeah. People were having to do things that, you know, could end up in a, in a situation that's unsafe for them. And you know that's not a that's yeah. not a fair thing to do, and it's definitely probably not a legal thing to do to to cause people to go through extra hurdles to just you know get to where they're going in a free society. But yeah. Yeah. I thought it was uh, kind of unfortunate with the protesting, but uh, not shocking uh, yeah. when it comes to groups that you know support terrorists. But um, <laughs> the uh, recent story today. <laughs> Uh, kind of breaking. On to the next thing. Right. We'll just leave <laughs> no, that there. That's got a mic drop moment. <laughs> Not shocking when it comes to groups that support terrorists. Right. <laughs> it's true. So anyways, there's this helicopter yeah. over here. <laughs> so yeah, today, uh, it's a crazy story. And I'm reading the Fox News article. It says missing helicopter with five Marines on board. Um, and they were searching for the crew of that helicopter and it said it was d due to California's atmospheric river storm which I'm not even sure exactly what that is but it sounds ferocious but it was a missing flight uh, for I think they were going from Nevada to California um, three days of relentless rain it says okay so a river that's storm? what an atmospheric storm is an atmospheric river storm is it does that mean it has as much water? In the sky, as a river, as a river, like it's like that, that much water. Terrifying. It's like a it's like more than what a torrential downpour <laughs> right. is. It's like, no, no, it'll literally fill your it's lungs. It's a river. <laughs> like you'll drown. In the sky. You'll drown. <laughs> you'll drown in this rain. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it means either. I'm gonna have to Google that one later. They did find the chopper. Okay, but it's a yeah, it's a huge deal because from what I understand, there's five. Uh, there's five marine. It's Marines, aren't they? Yes. Five Marines are missing now. Search and rescue crews found a military helicopter on Wednesday morning, several hours after the aircraft was reported missing en route to a Marine air station in San Diego with five Marines aboard. It's unbelievable. Yeah. About 40 miles east of San Diego. Um, they're managing a search and rescue effort on the ground and in the air to find the crewmen. 
So they haven't found the crewman. That's that's the, con- the condition is uh, is unavailable. They haven't shared what the condition. So it it doesn't sound like they crashed though. Wow. Maybe the storm got so bad that they landed. They and said then... we've got to land, and then it's I, one of those. Uh, I don't know ospreys. Have you ever seen those? Is that the with the? It's got like the two wings, and then it's got propellers oh, that yeah. go up. You yeah. know, on each side. I mean, those things are yeah. monstrous. So that's, that's about uh, five Marines. That, my brother trained. He's a Marine. He trained in San Diego. Oh wow! Um, and so I may have been going to the base that he trained at. But that's uh, that's definitely scary. Wasn't it the same helicopter that crashed recently? Um, I think there was like over twenty Marines on board. It seemed like, if I remember, um, here just maybe last summer. Uh, the year the seventeen Marines. So that's. Kind of concerning. Like I wonder. Yeah, I think if... one of those Marines was a Missourian too, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Terra wow. Peters district, I think. Wow. But yeah, that's uh, we'll we'll keep uh, trying to stay on top of that story and see what happens with that search and rescue. Um, so to finish up, Bishop, I uh, I have we 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 like to do this on the Man Cave Caucus podcast, and that is we we tend to always seem to find it either a uh, Babylon B article or a not the B article or something along those lines it's just as reliable as CNN it really is uh, sometimes <laughs> much more actually uh, but there's an article i thought the jokes was... are a little better in CNN though i don't know i, I think i laugh more at reading CNN headlines <laughs> <laughs> the, the bee's got to step it up, or not the bee's got to yeah. step it up. Except for with CNN, I don't think there is an element of truth in, in most cases. But at least the humor from the Babylon yeah. Bee has an element of, yeah, of truth yeah, yeah. to it. But the headline of this, it's a not the bee article uh, from February the 7th, and it says, British activists blame Mr. Bean for the current EV, that's electric vehicle, sales slump. So he's a beanie weenie, that's for I, sure. Mr. Bean is now public enemy number one. <laughs> so the Green Alliance. I don't think that's a good idea. I think he's like the most favored, uh, favored British guy out there. Yeah, I, I think he's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but the Green Alliance in the UK, uh, as well as the, the liberals in the, in the House of Lords, as it were, are blaming Mr. Bean for this slump in electric vehicle sales. Um, Here's here's what it says. It says the the Mr. Bean actor was name checked in the House of Lords on Tuesday during its Environment and Climate Change Committee meeting. Think Tank Green Alliance. That's probably like our uh, Sierra Club, if I were to guess. Which anytime we hear the Sierra Club testify, if they're in if they're in opposition, we're probably going to be in favor <laughs> and vice versa, right? <laughs> So they gave their views on the main obstacles the government faces in its bid to phase out petrol and diesel cars before 2035 and said a comment piece by the Johnny English star published in June of 2023 was damaging to the cause because of what he said. And it wasn't his. He actually has a cartoon show for kids where he made fun of electric vehicles. Okay. For one. Uh, But... An article where he, in the article, the the actual names, the name of the actor is Rowan Atkinson of Mr. Bean, but he described his feeling of being duped by electric cars after being an early adopter of the technology, and so here's what, um, you know, he had an article in the Guardian and, and he made these statements, and so now they're blaming him for the electric vehicle slump in sales. 
or or maybe they they if they didn't dupe him, then he wouldn't have written the article. <laughs> right. Again, an even, element of truth. Even <laughs> even if the slump is real. <laughs> so the pressure group it says told peers in a letter that was shared. One of the most damaging articles was a comment piece written by Rowan Atkinson in The Guardian, which has been roundly debunked, they claim. Unfortunately, fact checks never reach the same breadth of audience as the original false claim. So they're saying that he just never did get fact checked on his. You know, I, I, I think EVs, I think it's going to be something other than electric vehicles that will one day replace gasoline myself. I think it's going to be like high, like a hydro vehicle or it's going to be this, that, or the other. It's going to be a different technology, I think, altogether. I think it'll probably utilize something that looks like the combustion engine still, though. Yeah. Um, it's just not sustainable with the uh, with the grid. No, it's not. And, well, Porsche, I think Porsche a couple years ago came out with, a, um, get this, an engine that could literally, like, run on, on, on a type of water. H2O. Yeah. And uh, now Hydro. It's, it's 40 like $6 per liter. So it's just really expensive. Mm. But they're working on how do you get that the cost technology. down. Because here's the thing. They were able to take the fuel and they poured it into an old engine. Oh, wow. And it worked. Wow. That's the kicker. Mm-hmm. They're like, no. Like, so you don't have to abandon like, the they're older They're like vehicles. all the combustion yeah, which all the combustion engines, the millions upon hundreds of millions, right, out there. Yeah. In Africa, everywhere, right? Yeah. It's you, they, they were saying, here's an alternative fuel. It's not so much about, oh, it's got to be EV. It's got to be this whole new system. And so for a few years, I've been watching that, watching that technology, seeing uh, GM and Honda are, are, are now um, really investing in this sort of technology, too. I think... If you want to talk um, uh, <clears throat> more efficient, more renewable energy in the future, first of all, it's going to come from the marketplace. It's going to mm-hmm. come from good old fashioned competition. Yep. And uh, free market. Good old, good old profit motive, right? Um, and second of all, it's it's got to be more, uh, I think, usable with our current systems, mm-hmm. the current infrastructure. It's got to give people the same independence that cars gave them when they first when they first came out, right? Because now now with these EVs, it's like I, I I know if you read the contract, it's like, do you even own the car? Mm-hmm. Is the software owned by this person? You need this update, and they can stop you from their headquarters yeah. at any point. Some of that weird, proprietary information, weird, yeah, that that weird stuff on top of like, is this sustainable for a grid? Is this sustainable like the cobalt and all the stuff they put in the and batteries? People are concerned about the kill switches yeah. too that they're trying to mandate on vehicles. Yeah, so I'm not. I mean, I you know, I'm not like just adamantly opposed to electric vehicles or anything like that, but it's going to be subject to the same sort of com- competitive forces that any yeah. new innovation is. If it is to, and, to actually yeah, last. And if uh, if uh, Mr. Bean here says, hey, you're not cutting, cutting it, you know, you're not cutting it, I'm not going to buy another one because you guys aren't providing he was good duped. enough service. Like, that's a part of that competitive process. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe instead of complaining about him... Some of these manufacturers go back and make a better product. Yeah. And maybe he tries it again. Who knows? I don't know. I don't really care. I just care about the process and how we get there. Yeah. I can't say I'm smart enough uh, to, to say what the best next energy is. I think gas has a, a place in our, in our energy, you know, consumption for a long time. I think it should. Yeah. But I think he's actually more of a hero to me. Yeah. For being willing to, to actually uh, say it and, and say, look, you know, I don't. 
I don't think this was what it was cracked up to be. Uh, I mean, as reticent as I am to call Mr. Bean a hero. Right. Uh, Not all heroes wear capes. I, I tell you what, if he does a skit as Mr. Bean, mm-hmm. responding to the, <laughs> the yes. ridiculousness. That would of, be great. Then I'll call him my hero. Yes. <laughs> yes. I like yes. it. Yes. <laughs> so... Well, Bishop, good stuff. Uh, enjoyed uh, having your perspective, and we'll have to uh, to do this again. So thanks for coming on with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was great. So um, don't forget, everybody, we'll have the, the Monday show coming up. Go over to Spotify, leave us a five-star review, or Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And uh, appreciate you listening. Have a great evening. Hey.